0: my guardian angel, intercede for me. We invoke our guardian angel. We invoke the Blessed Mother. We invoke St. Joseph. We invoke the Holy Spirit to help us converse with God through Jesus Christ about this very important topic of vocation, that comes from the Latin word vocare which means to call that we're called to serve the gospel and maybe a preface to our conversation with Jesus is the notion of vocation the traditional notion of vocation is a calling that involves breaking away from the ordinary events and circumstances and lifestyles of ordinary existence, living in a home, working at a job, raising a family, living in a neighborhood, and so forth. The traditional notion of vocation is for a man to go off to a seminary and become a priest or a young woman who, after some discernment, commits herself to a convent, to a religious order, or a man as well commits himself to a religious order like the Franciscans, the Benedictines, Dominicans, Jesuits, and so forth same applying to women. But first of all, we notice that the four Gospels and the rest of the New Testament are not specifically aimed for men who become priests or join religious orders or women who consecrate their lives Making, taking vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, and putting on a habit of a nun. Those are specific vocations that are extremely needed in the church, but vocation is not restricted to those specific ways of following the lord by the simple fact that the entire new testament is aimed at any follower of christ there is a misnotion or erroneous notion that this heavy lifting of living the gospel at its letter is not included in the spiritual lives of the majority of of Christians, that they're not expected to live all the demands and requirements of discipleship. In fact, a minority who does... practices their faith in a very significant way in comparison to the great majority go to Mass on Sunday practice some devotions embrace the moral law if there's violations of it they will repent and go to confession but that is not the original message of the gospel Obviously, it's a very good thing to go to Mass on Sunday and say prayers every day. But we would be spiritually and intellectually dishonest if we felt that that is what the message of the Gospel transmits, that I practice my faith once a week and practice certain devotions. In fact, especially the epistles of St. Paul and John and Peter are not aimed at religious orders. Eventually, yes, because it took two centuries and a half at least for monks and hermits to emerge in the church. It's not exclusively aimed at the hierarchy. At least initially, it was aimed at lay people. There were few priests in comparison to lay people, especially in the early church. And each epistle, I would speculate, was addressed to 50 families, 40 families, and the church's presence in Corinth or Athens or Ephesus was a moral presence. Obviously, there was no... Temples, Christian temples to Christian churches, there's no rectories or parish centers or parochial schools Especially when Christianity was a capital offense It was a moral presence and the liturgy was usually celebrated in bigger houses where you could fit more people But nevertheless, everyone was on the same page That you're either in or you're out And that discipleship involved being totally centered on Jesus Christ. That everyone had a sense of vocation and everyone had a certain clarity on what the Christian vocation involved. In fact, Paul addresses the early Christians as saints. Paul mentions Virtually in every epistle, specifically, I, too, come to mind immediately. In St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 1, the Holy Spirit, through the instrumentality of St. Paul, says that we are called to sanctity before even the creation of the world. God had our sanctity in mind. And arguably the oldest document of the New Testament, which is St. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, first letter, where he says, this is God's will for you, your sanctification. And maybe during this vocations week, we could ask our Lord through the intercessors I mentioned at the beginning of the meditation, that we become more aware that we are called to be saints and that we are not exempt from the divine commission, where Jesus says, Preach the gospel to every creature. That's St. Mark's version, traditionally has it, that, that was taken from the preachings of St. Peter. The other gospels essentially say, Make disciples of all nations. Paul's letter to Tim- Timothy says that it is the will of God that everybody come to the knowledge of the truth and be recipients of Christ's saving merits, I'm paraphrasing. And what do I do? It's truth that is old and as new as the gospel, to quote Saint Jose Maria. And in the early days of the history of Opus Dei, on the heels of this spectacular illumination infused in the mind and heart of Saint Jose Maria on October 2nd, 1928, where he founded the work or God brought it into existence, He brought Opus Dei into existence. And uh, we don't know minute detail, but, we could safely say that St. Jose Maria, through this preternatural vision or enlightenment, saw Christ in the world in a renewed way, in a new way. And this light contained a message that is intimately linked with vocation that everyone with special emphasis on the man and woman in the middle of the world, the cab driver, the hairdresser, the farmer, the mechanic, the teacher, the scientist, the mom, the dad, the baseball player, the tennis player, etc., are called to be as centered on Jesus Christ as St. John of the Cross or Padre Pio or Mother Teresa or Sister Faustina. And they have the same duty, but as lay people, to preach the gospel just as much as their parish priest or the archbishop or even the Holy Father. The Holy Father is Holy Father and cab driver is cab driver. But nevertheless, they have that same calling. There's a certain quality. There's a universal call to sanctity which will be solemnly taught by the Second Vatican Council. But when he starts to reveal this light, or the ramifications of this light, that God wants every Christian to become aware that he or she is called to be a saint and to live every word of the gospel and to bring the gospel to others and to attract others to Jesus Christ, i mean this is christian teaching 101 but this teaching this knowledge of one's vocation was in deep hibernation and was only reserved for specific callings you can almost say extraordinary callings of the religious life or the priestly life and this certainly was not the case in the primitive Church the oldest document after the New Testament called the letter to Dianetis the author is unknown anonymous but the message is pretty crystal clear and the intent of the author was not to keep the clergy under the radar but rather He was describing the early church, and I think it was written about maybe 140 AD, describing the witness, the holiness of people who blended in the neighborhoods, people who had the same trades, professional callings, people who had families like everybody else, people who had regional accents like everybody else, this is in the letter, artists, craftsmen, soldiers, even slaves in those days. And they were described as a light for their family, for their neighbors, for their society. And they had telltale properties or characteristics the most compelling was charity they loved others unconditionally the letter says even those who hate them and he was almost incredulous I mean the tone is a little bit of incredulity that these early Christians were actually chaste and were faithful to one spouse and he was kind of amazed by that and lastly said that they were also marked by a certain dedication and courage to their founder, Jesus Christ, to such an extent that they would actually die for him, and that would occur as well. But you would never explicitly detect that the church had a hierarchy, indeed did. But so much did the laity see their calling as people on the front lines of evangelization that you would almost not realize unless you knew the tradition of the church that there's no hierarchy there yet everyone took the, the responsibility to live the gospel and spread the gospel and in a course of a few centuries 300 years they did make a significant dent in that hedonistic, violent, pagan Roman world. We ask the Lord to give us an awareness, especially the laity, but all of us, laity and clergy, laity and religious, that I have to take to heart some directives that have gathered a lot of dust. I am the salt of the earth. Jesus says that. And he said it to a crowd of people. You are the light of the world. You are the leaven in the mass. And then we fast forward to the Last Supper. You are the branch of the vine, or the branch of the vine that gives love that produce fruit. So notice how Jesus defines vocation. And that's what this world needs and with this pandemic of hedonism and rampant moral relativism and this absence of knowledge of the faith and even basic tenets of church teaching, we don't simply wring our hands we respond to these times we respond to the challenge with a spirit of supernatural optimism that i am called to evangelize to be a disciple to be a light to be salt to be leaven and i make that act of faith that jesus does not call me to adventure to an adventure that ends in failure in frustration If the Lord is inviting me to this divine commission to be a light, to be leaven, to preach the gospel by my witness and sometimes by my words, to paraphrase St. Francis of Assisi, that means it's possible. But it is a matter of living my Christian vocation. How much the gospel spreads will depend on my tapping in to the power of my baptism and confirmation. I want to activate that power. And what St. José Maria brings to the table is that awareness of my baptismal vocation and my confirmational vocation, and that spirit of Opus Dei, which is basically bringing the gospel to daily life has as its aim to awaken that power of baptism. That, and I say power because St. Paul says that that we have power through this grace of baptism. And this power is the love of Christ, which is more powerful than hatred. It's the grace of Christ, which is more powerful than sin that the truth of Jesus is more powerful than the falsehoods of moral relativism. But this truth, this power, is meant to be embodied in disciples. What a successful vocations week in the month of November that is initiated by the Feast of All Saints, if we come to a greater awareness and consequently make commitments to follow Christ more closely more seriously and take to heart that yes i can be evangelizer starting within the intimacy of my own family and my circle of friends and expanding that it was no accident that saint paul coined the christian family as the domestic church the home school of the faith let's look at our baptismal vocation. Why is our baptismal vocation a calling to sanctity? Well, what happened in baptism? A seed was planted, I say this metaphorically, in my soul. I was grafted into the life of Jesus. I was reborn into the life of Jesus. And I use the analogy of seed because that's what Jesus uses often and yes i have a new life and maybe we could take the liberty to say that it's an infant life it's uh, it's the life of christ that really needs to be developed and uh, we receive a sacramental growth hormone through confirmation that complements and supplements the grace of baptism And Jesus speaks about life in Christ as the growth of the seed. I'm thinking of the parable of the sower, I'm thinking about the mustard seed, the grain of wheat, but more the parable of the sower. And Jesus says that seed is the word of God. The word of God has multiple meanings. But it's, the first meaning is it's the word of God is the son of God. He's the divine word. That's what's revealed in the first chapter of St. John. And a seed has a life force, at least a life force that needs to be activated, turned on. It's in suspension. And especially the parable of the sower, and the traditional images of the Holy Spirit, are water, light, heat. And so you need that for a seed to grow. If the temperature is below zero, there's there'd be no growth. If there's no sunlight, there's no growth. If there's no water, there's no growth. And those images represent the grace of God, the Holy Spirit that causes that life of Christ or in the baptized to grow. But there's another condition that Jesus employ reveals, and that is the good soil. And Jesus calls the good soil that good and right heart that bears fruit in patience. And if we just use the Latin Vulgate, "Optimo corde," that's good and right heart is. translates optimo corde." It's a translation of optimo corne, which literally means the best heart. The soil, though the soil on its own cannot produce a seed, let alone a plant that bears fruit, water, warmth, seed cannot bear fruit unless there's good soil. And so the good soil is my response Let's consider a general response first. Love God with whole heart, whole mind, whole soul, and whole strength. If you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily. We dwell on the word deny. Deny self isn't just giving up ice cream or Turning off the radio or sitting in an uncomfortable chair, albeit those are acts of self denial. But when he says deny myself, he means that I lay down my life, I give of myself in following Christ. This vocation involves every facet of my life, and it's an adventure, and it's quite fulfilling. And it results in deep joy, which is compatible with the cross and at times being a sign of contradiction. I am called to be a saint. That's what I want to draw from this vocations week, that I am called to be totally centered on Jesus. Ideally, yes, Mass on Sunday. But ideally, if I really believe that he is truly there and he is the bread of life, I should go frequently. don't have to. There's no obligation. But I need to draw that life from the Eucharist. And that's the last analogy Jesus used. use used the image of salt, light, leaven. And then he goes right out and says it, that i got to be grafted onto that vine, and vine is a Eucharistic image. So I, I need to be centered on the Eucharist, and then I have to embrace his word in that same parable of the vine and the branches. That I need, And what does that mean? That I spend time in silence with him. And yes, it's a bit uphill. It's, it could get tedious. We could experience some dryness. Uh, we could erroneously think that we're wasting our time. But I need to spend that silence with the Lord. I need to receive the Eucharist. And I want to take that shortcut that all the saints have taken, and that is devotion to the Blessed Mother, especially through her rosary. I want to lastly include in my prayers of petition the grace to see that I am apostle I'm an evangelizer that at least I give other people an experience of charity and in some cases some will convert some will repent some will begin to follow Jesus Christ some may embrace a special vocation of the religious life or the priestly life but what I need to look at during this vocations week not precisely the vocations i could find though that's important but how am i living my own baptismal vocation that is nothing less than striving to be a saint well i put those sentiments in the blessed mother's hands and saint joseph's hands and saint jose maria's hands and pray for their prayer of intercession so that i have a renewed desire to aspire to nothing less than being a saint amen I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me.